Um, I read this story a little while back with, um, um, that was written by Max Licato about the survivor tree. And he writes that the city in Oklahoma, Oklahoma City, they treasure this tree, not because of her appearance, um, there are more beautiful trees than this, but because of her endurance. She's the one that survived the Oklahoma City bombing. And many of you remember, like I do, back in 1995, what happened when Timothy McVeigh packed his truck filled with explosives only yards from this tree. The evil in that moment, man, it claimed many lives, and it wounded many people, and it completely destroyed the Murrah Federal Building. And buried underneath it was this tree. And many people were surprised because the tree had no leaves, all the limbs were pretty much broken off. But just as you saw in this video, this tree had deep roots. And because it was deeply rooted, people were surprised to see buds forming and new branches emerge from this dying tree. And this tree, it it captured uh, this image of resilience. And and the victims in that area, they identify with the tree. And here's why I share this story. It's such a cool story. It's because we love to grab hold to these symbols in life, don't we? But like a tree growing in the middle of the rubble in Oklahoma City. There's another tree at the World Trade Center, another survivor tree. Uh, We love these images. How about the kiss celebrating uh, the end of World War II, VJ Day in Times Square, or the flag being raised at Iwo Jima, or the plane that catapulted the Wright brothers into the sky, or a piece of the Berlin Wall, right, that, 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 that we can now hold in our hands. We, we, we love these pictures, and we hold on to these pictures because it represents something. What it does is it represents hope, that the future can be better. You see, here's what we need. We need to be rooted in hope. It's a vital ingredient to life. Some of you may remember another story that happened. I'm going to do a little bit of history stuff here at the beginning. But back in 2010, you may remember the Chilean miners that were stuck underground for two months and, and the government did a lot of things, but they brought a lot of supplies uh, to keep them alive during those two months. But one thing they did was they brought friends, and they brought family, and they brought church members. They brought them to talk. And the reason they did is because the miners needed hope. It gave them hope. You see, hope's essential. We need it because so oftentimes we get depressed, we get discouraged, we get fed up with life. Um, sometimes there's just this, if we're honest, there's just this overwhelming desire sometimes just to give up or to give in. For example, I, I talk to people all the time that are struggling with a pile of bills that just keeps mounting, or maybe somebody's waiting for test results and they don't understand why this is happening or how this happens. Some of us are wondering why marriage is so difficult and if things are going to get better. Some are wondering if they'll ever have the blessing to hold their own child. And those that have children are wondering why their children are making such bad choices. And I see it all the time. People come up and they want to talk to the preacher and it's written across their face. Is there any hope? Do you think there's hope, preacher? You see, here's the good news, and this is where I want to go this morning. There is hope. No matter who you are, no matter where you are, no matter where you find yourself, there is hope in Jesus Christ. Isaiah 40 puts it this way. Those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. Y'all know this verse. You've heard this verse before. 
They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. Those whose hope is in the Lord, those are the ones who renew their strength. So we've been in this series um, through the summertime called Rooted. And we're talking about those deep qualities of being a Christ follower that we want to be. We want to be rooted in Christ, but there are some things that we want to be strong and foundational roots that we we dig deeper in. And one of those roots, and what I want to focus on today, is the root of hope. I want us to talk about how we can understand the hope that we have in God. And and the good news is, is that there is hope. But honestly, I also tend to think that we define hope in the wrong way. And before we talk about how we define hope in the right way, let let me talk about how we define hope in the wrong way, okay? So so let me give you two ways of what hope isn't, okay? So so if you got your message notes, if you're online and you've joined us, welcome to the Ridge, so glad you're with us. Um, You can follow along on the Ridge app, but here's the first fill in the blank, okay? Hope is not, let's talk about what it's not. It's not just wishful thinking, Okay, you see, sometimes we talk about hope as though it's this mysterious thing that's out there. It's almost like luck. I hear people use it all the time in the questions that come at. For example, some people might ask a question, preacher, do you think the Braves are going to win it all again this year? And I'm like, I hope so. You know, or I might ask them, do you think this job is going to work out? Like, do you think this is going to be a good fit? And they're like, I hope so. You know, or, or do you think the preacher will ever let us out early? I hope so. Wishful thinking. Anyway, anyway, we also apply that answer to, 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 to questions that we ought to know the answer to. For example, if I were to ask someone, do you know that you're loved? You know, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago, rooted in love. People will respond saying, I hope so. Or, or how about this one? This one's an even better one. What about your eternal security? Like, do you know where you're going? Like, what about eternity? Do you know that you're going to be with Christ? Well, I hope so. You see, here's the deal. When we put our hope in people, circumstances, jobs, possessions, it, it is a wish. Because you never really know how those things are going to turn out. But when we put our hope in the Lord, it's different. It's a definite answer. We can know beyond a shadow of a doubt that we can have hope in Jesus. Hope in God isn't just wishful thinking. Another thing it's not is hope is not just merely optimism either, okay? It's not just positive thinking. Now, don't get me wrong. I I love being around half-glass-full kind of people. No one gets a kick out of being with an Eeyore, you know, somebody that's just like, woe is me all the time. Now, I'd rather be hanging out with Pooh and his, you know, optimism that has him thinking he's going to get that pot of honey by the end of the day, right? Those are the people I want to be with, Optimism is better, but here's here's the thing. It's more than that, than just changing your situations. It's more than just being optimistic. You you see, where I'm going with this is that hope doesn't just cover up the problem and ignore it and being optimistic that just things are going to get better. Real hope is understanding there is a problem that's in front of me, and this is a big problem. And this is something that needs to be dealt with, and it's real. And I'm not just going to be optimistic and sweep everything under the rug. Real hope is realizing, whatever that problem is, is that my God is bigger. My God is bigger than this, and he can take care of me, and he can guide me through it. So this kind of hope, 
that we place in God during terrible situations actually is known as something. It's called the uh, Stockdale Paradox. And, and in a nutshell, what that is is to have hope, but also to be able to confront reality and to understand what's in front of you. This actually comes from a military officer um, whose name is Jim Stockdale. He was taken captive during the Vietnam War, and he was held for eight years, and he was tortured more than 20 times. He didn't know if he was going to make it out alive or not, but his hope, he talks about this later, his hope was completely in God, nothing else. He had faith to believe, and while he's in there, he, he deepened those roots of hope to understand that God would help him prevail. So the paradox was this. He said, those who were extremely optimistic, they didn't make it. He said, those were the ones that, that ran around saying, you know, I bet we're going to be out by Christmas and then Christmas would come and go. Or I bet we're going to be out by Easter and then Easter would come and go. And ultimately, he said, they ultimately died from a broken heart. Because they didn't want to confront the reality. To, to, to Jim, he said that they just weren't good at accepting what was happening in that situation. He said they were like an ostrich. They would bury their head in the sand, and then when it popped up and they looked around, they couldn't take it, and they couldn't handle it. So Jim, in this moment, he said that he accepted the adversity, that he knew that this was tough, and his hope wasn't in his cellmates. His hope wasn't in the people that were in charge of the prison that he was in. His hope wasn't even in his wife that kept writing him encrypted messages. No, no, no. He said, my hope at the end of the day, my hope was in God. And it was in God alone. You see, being rooted in hope isn't just wishful thinking. Okay, and it's not just having the ability to remain optimistic either. We, we don't deny the situations that are in front of us, but rather the difference is real hope puts down roots in spite of the trouble. And again, it says, my God, my Savior is bigger than this. No matter what happens, I'm going to put my hope not in people, not in this world, not in these things, because those things, those things don't last. But I'm going to put my hope in God. You know, to help us understand a little bit more about what it means to deepen those roots of hope, I want us to look at a book this morning, um, 1 Peter. 1 Peter was written by the Apostle Peter, and it was written during a time when Christians were being persecuted. Times were tough, and it did, honestly, for a lot of people during this time, it didn't look like there was any hope. In fact, it's believed that Peter lived and died under the Emperor Roman, Roman Emperor Nero. Y'all remember Nero in school? Um, he was kind of a big deal, of course. And during his time, Christians were looked at this kind of outsider cult. Nobody really liked them. They didn't understand them. And here's the difference that's kind of separated Christians. There was religious freedom in Rome at the time, but that came with the price of having to worship Caesar. So you could worship whatever you wanted to. They, they didn't care what your God was or what you did or how you worship. But at the end of the day, you had to worship Caesar also. You had to worship Caesar as a God. You had to offer sacrifices to Caesar as a God. And of course, for Christians, this didn't fly. So Christians were a little bit different. And then add to that the fire that broke out in 64 A.D., that now we know Nero was to blame for it. And so people at that time, they started to blame Nero. Nero needed a scapegoat, so he looked at the Christians. Nobody likes them. Nobody understands them. So he blamed the Christians for this fire that spread across Rome. And so then this huge persecution broke out. 
And this is when Christians were being burned at the stake, fed to the lions. You know the stories. It, it, was, a, it was an awful time. So Peter, what Peter does is he's writing to Christians who are facing all kinds of persecution in all different areas of this empire, right? And in the middle of all the trouble, he starts his letter this way, and he says, praise be to God, a living hope. So we've taught a little bit about what hope is not. Let me tell you what hope is and what it means, the good news of being rooted in hope. And let's look at Peter, what Peter says. In 1 Peter 1.3, he starts off his letter this way. He says, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Let, let me tell you what hope is, okay? Hope is a person. Okay, write that down. If you got your blanks, if you're online, or write this down, okay? Hope is a person. You see, the hope that Peter is talking about, it's not this desperate holding on to this wishful type of thing. Oh, I really hope, you know, this, let's, let's hope this, this works out. No, 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 no. What Peter is saying, this is a living hope because it's grounded in the reality of a living, resurrected Savior. He's like, that Jesus that we preach, that Jesus that we live for, that Jesus that we want to be Lord of your life, he is alive, and he is with you, and he has the ability to change this situation and to give you hope for a new beginning or a new start or a transformed life. Another, another story I remember hearing a long time ago is the story of the runaway bride. Some of y'all might remember this. Way back, she, she jilted her fiancé and left him at the altar. And then there was this massive search for her. Nobody could find her. So later on when they find her, she's sitting down with Katie Couric. And Couric asked her this question. She said, what is your greatest hope for now? Like, what do you hope for now? And she says this. She said, my hope is that people will learn to love me for who I truly am and not for how I was betrayed. My hope is that I will no longer be known as the runaway bride. My hope is that people will actually learn my name. And what she wants in that story is, reminded, is what so many people want. They want a new beginning for an area of our life, of your life. Maybe, maybe, maybe you can relate to this. You know, maybe you haven't you know, run away from your way. I don't know. Maybe you have. But, um, but we can all... We can all relate to some area of our life that we want transformed, that we need hope for, that we need to be better, that we need a change, something restored, something new. And y'all, friends, that only comes through the person of Jesus Christ. Peter says that hope that we need for that area or for our whole life, that hope comes through Christ, and it is a living hope because Christ has been resurrected and he is with us right now. Let's keep reading. Verse four, he says this. He has given us a new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into, this is, this is so great, into an inheritance that can never perish, that can never spoil or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you. So number two, hope is a promise. Okay, it's a promise it's a promise that we have an unbelievable inheritance. Let me just say, you have a huge inheritance waiting on you in eternity. Let's just say, 
let's just say for the sake um, of an illustration this morning, let's just say you received a huge inheritance right now. Now, I don't want to kill anybody in your family, but let's just say you got an uncle that you don't really know, okay? And he dies, and he leaves you $10 million. $10 million. That's an incredible inheritance. What would you do with that? Now, let me tell you what I would do if I heard that you had inherited that money. I know that I would next Sunday preach on tithing. That's what I would do. (laughs) But as great as that inheritance is, it's not going to last. You could get 10 million, you could get 100 million. It's not eternal. You see, the promise that Peter says is that we have this hope. We have this hope in a living Savior that allows us to begin new now in areas of our life. But we also have this hope that he is preparing this eternal reward for us that is beyond anything we could imagine. Jesus, Jesus actually talks about this. In John 14, he puts it this way. He says, don't let your hearts be troubled. I know you're going through a lot. I know there's a lot happening in this world. Don't be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms, and I'm going there to prepare a place for you. Jesus is looking at his disciples in this last moment of teaching in the upper room, and he's like, don't lose hope. I know it's going to look bad. I know it's going to seem bad. Don't hope in the things of this world. I am going ahead of you, and I'm going to that eternal place, and I am preparing your arrival. Honestly, I don't know about you, but I love the fact that we get to hope in a better place with God, right? Because this world, man, have you turned on the news lately? This world... It's just crazy. Every time I look at the news, people are fighting and arguing. The stock market is down and gas prices are up and inflation. And when it comes to our personal lives, even just the stuff that we struggle with individually, there's so much going on that leaves us wondering, how am I going to make it out of this? Like, what am I going to do next? I don't know. How am I going to survive this next phase in life? The the point I'm trying to make is that we can't look at this world. We can't look at our lives to to provide that perfect inheritance. It doesn't happen. That's wishful thinking. But there is a hope and a promise that we have a reward that's waiting on us that's better than anything that we could ever imagine. In fact, look at how Peter describes it. He starts off by saying, it's something that won't perish Go to that next slide there, Strohs. Yeah, won't perish. Okay, this word means it's not going to rot. It's not going to fade. It won't lose value over time. It's forever. It's eternal. The the next word, he says it won't spoil either. Other translations, here's how they define this word in spoil. It's it's undefiled. So this is like this moral uh, standard here. This inheritance from God for you doesn't spoil. It's it's purely moral, it's purely uplifting, it's the best thing, it's good, it's without defect. Nothing in this world is without defect, but our inheritance with God is. And the last thing says it will never fade, it'll never go away, it'll never have to be tossed out. In other words, this word means it'll never be broken, it'll never go bad. And you know what, we don't get that promise in this world, everything breaks 
Everything goes bad. Nothing lasts forever. I was thinking about this a little while back when I was getting the mail because I remember the very first time we, we put a new mailbox in our driveway when we first moved into the house and we had our first uh, party. We had people over to the house. We're celebrating moving in. And then after everybody left, I got a phone call from a family member who said, hey, I think I hit your mailbox. And I walked outside and I said, hold on, let me go check. And I walked outside, and I look at, y'all, my mailbox is like this. It's leaning out over the road. And I said, yeah, I think you did. You know, when you got to put your car in drive and come up off the mailbox, usually means you hit it. <laughs> Brand new, hadn't been in the ground but a week. Doesn't last. Of course. You know, you just roll your eyes. You're like, of course. Everything fades. You know, but... Our inheritance with God, up there, eternity with him, it never fades, never spoils, never goes bad. That's the hope that we have. All right, let's keep going. Verse 5. Verse 5 says, Who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. He keeps writing. Now, 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 let me tell you what. I want to talk about here with being shielded by God's power. Point number three is that this, hope is present, okay? Hope is present, hope is with us right now. Hope is looking ahead to the future and realizing that we have this amazing inheritance waiting on us, but it's also realizing, you know what? I, I have hope right now that things are going to be better in the present because our hope is in, a bi- is in a God who is big, who is great, who is powerful. Peter says here, a hope in that eternal inheritance is one day, but we also have hope that we are shielded. We are shielded by his power and his presence right now until Jesus comes again. I was thinking about this because there's a new movie coming out, um, a new Avatar movie coming out. I don't know if y'all have heard about this, and if I'm being honest, I don't really care. Um, I didn't watch the first one. I don't know, did y'all watch, anybody watch the first one? Okay, nobody's going to admit it now that I say I don't care, but... I remember when I came out at the time, it was like the biggest movie ever. And I remember it was all about this world, uh, Pandora, and James Cameron had created it. And as soon as he created it, and it came out, and people loved it so much, websites actually started popping up, lamenting the fact that Pandora wasn't real. One website was labeled this way. It said, ways to cope with the depression of the dream of Pandora being intangible. Another person commented and said, I have to live with the fact that I can't live a new life in Pandora. What in the world? (laughs) And I looked at that, and I thought, it sounds silly. But is it really? You see, I think it goes to show that people want hope in the present. Why do they want hope in the present? Because jobs are tough. They bring stress. Children bring complications. Relationships are strained. Bills just seem, you know, unmanageable at times. What if we could be shielded from this and live in a different world? And y'all, that's the message of the cross. That's the message of God's grace and a new beginning and a new reality here on this earth, having a new birth in Christ. You see, when we accept Jesus Christ as our Savior, it's this awakening It's this awakening to a new present reality that we live in. 
You see, I want you to understand that there is this balance between God's action in heaven and protecting our future, but also his action here on earth and protecting and guiding and shielding us in the present. We have hope because we are living in God's kingdom here on this earth. And that's what it's about. It's about living in that kingdom. It's about helping other people realize that God's kingdom is being established right here, right now, and it, it, it begins through transformed lives. And that's the hope we have for the present, is that we have his kingdom here now. So Peter writes about this, and then in verse 6, he goes on and he says, In this, in this new kingdom that we're living in and being shielded in God, you greatly rejoice. Though now, Peter says, honestly, he goes back to where we started with Nero. Though now for a little while, you may have had to suffer grief. Peter's like, I understand, it's tough. Living in this world is tough. This grief and these troubles have come so that your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by the fire, may be proved genuine and may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Let me tell you what I believe hope is while we live in this world. Hope is also preparation. Okay, Hope is preparing us. Hope prepares us for better things. It's preparing us for something better. You see, God is working in our present situation. And while we live in God's kingdom here, it is a present reality. It's something that we wake up to new when we come into Christ. Even though we live in this kingdom of God, we also realize that we do have to endure suffering. Things happen. The Bible is very clear. Bad stuff still happens in this world. But, 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 God's promise and the hope we have is that if we allow him that he can use whatever it is in our lives to prepare us to become a better person, to prepare us for a better future. So if you're going through a trial right now and you need a little hope, remember this. Peter says, Peter says this suffering, this moment, whatever it is that's going on in your life right now, it's just a little while. It's just a little while. And I know it doesn't seem that way. And it seems huge and it seems big. But compared to what Peter's getting at, it's compared to eternal reality that we have with God compared to eternity which is forever this moment this time it's little in comparison and what we have is the hope that it's preparing us whatever this is that God can use it to prepare us for something better and to illustrate this Peter brings up this process of refining gold you know, gold is tested by fire, and what they do is they boil the gold, and when they do, all the impurities, they rise to the surface, and what the craftsman does is he, he dips out all the impurities that are being boiled up, and he continues the process until his goal is for that gold to be so pure that he can see his reflection in it. And that's what Peter's pointing us to. And that's the hope that we have as Christ followers, that even though this moment is burning us up and it's causing all this stuff to boil in our lives, that God is working and that God is using it and God is preparing us to become more of his reflection in this world. For the last point, last point we go to the end of the book at chapter 3, verse 15, Peter says this. He says, I want you to remember in your hearts, 
Set apart Jesus as Lord and always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. So the last point I want to talk about with hope. Hope is a proclamation. Hope demands a response. The words be prepared, it also means to make a defense. So get ready to defend why you believe what you believe and the hope that you have. Because if you believe that your hope is in the person of Jesus, if you believe that your hope is in the promise of this amazing eternal inheritance, if you believe that your hope brings a better present reality because you're in the kingdom of God, if you believe that your hope can even be seen in the middle of a difficult situation because you believe that God is preparing you for something better, if, if that's your hope, then you're going to be different. And you're going to be so different that people are going to ask you why it is that you have hope in those things because they're going to want it. Because this world is desperate for it. And the more we share about our hope, the deeper our roots become. I'll close with this story. A, well, um, a while back, a well-known Christian singer, Stephen Kirsch Chapman, he lost his daughter lost his daughter in a, in a vehicle accident. And after a lot of grief, counseling, and prayer, he returned to his tour months and months later. And everyone was surprised when he started off his tour with the song, Blessed Be Your Name. Some of y'all know that song. And in that song, it says, you give and take away, but blessed be your name. And Chapman, he stopped after the song, and he said, you know, for him, this song the song wasn't just a song, it was a cry, it was a scream, it was a prayer. And he told the crowd, he said, the reason he sang this song is because he said, I found comfort, and I found peace, and I found hope. And that hope surpassed all understanding. And then soon later, he wrote his own chorus line, and here's what he wrote. He said, I've questioned everything that I've believed, but still even here in this great darkness, a comfort and a hope comes breaking through. As I can say in life or death, God, we belong to you. And that's being rooted in the living, powerful hope of a resurrected Savior. You see, if you, if you want to grow deeper, be prepared to give an answer for the hope that you have. Because honestly, there are people in the world and around you and in your life, God has placed people near you that need to know of your hope in Jesus Christ. Because we can't hope in the things of this world. I can't put my hope in this world or my relationships or my kids or my money or my reputation. All of that could be taken away. No, 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 my hope is in Christ. Everything else may fade, but I am rooted in the living, powerful, shielding faith of Jesus Christ. Let's pray together. God, we're so thankful for the hope that we have found through Jesus Christ our Lord. God, I'm reminded of one of my favorite psalms, Psalm 20, where it says, Some trust in chariots, others in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. And God, that just verse that reminds us that this world tells us to put our trust in all these other things, to put our hope in all these other things, these things that only fade, collapse, rot, destroyed, God. But truth be known, it's... All of those things that we put our hope in, it's just wishful thinking. God, I, I thank you. I thank you that we can have a definitive hope, one that's never changing, one that is always present, one that is always preparing our future. 
So God, we put our trust, our hope in you. And God, I pray for anybody here today who, who, need, who needs to put their hope in you for the first time. God, maybe they've never accepted you. God, help them find the hope of a transformed life, of a new life living in your kingdom right here in the present. And God, I also pray for those that are here this morning that may, may need to put your, their, their hope in you for an area of their life, God. Maybe it's just this area where they're losing hope. They're falling further away. God, I just pray that you would shield them in that area. And that you would give them the hope for something new. Something transformed. Something renewed. And God, I just pray that all of us would root ourselves deeper in the hope that we have. That comes through a living and resurrected Savior. In his name, in the beautiful name of Jesus Christ, we pray all these things. Amen. Amen.